Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hi friends, happy Monday. I hope your weekend treated you well. Today we're beginning a discussion on manifestation, law of attraction, and upper limits. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is that I am recording this on Friday on kind of what has been a week of grief for me, and I am gearing up to go to a grief group, and it was very serendipitous. Like, I just happened to feel like I was craving some sense of spirituality, some sense of spiritual community, and I was telling my husband about that and was just saying, like, I think I want to try and find, like, a universalist church of some sort or something like that to kind of connect to. And I looked up the one closest to us and on their website was this grief group that meets once a month. And they happen to be meeting this week, the week that I definitely needed it the most. And I signed up and I'm I'm heading that way. And the really cool thing is that they don't normally meet this week of the month. They usually meet on a different week of the month and they just happen to be meeting this week, this month of all months. It felt very much like everything is working together for this to happen. And I'm really looking forward to that. My thorn is that grief is untamable. Like, I don't like feeling out of control or out of sorts in this way. And well, it's a bummer. My bud is that I am going on an anniversary trip. Just a little, little baby trip in, I guess, this weekend that you're listening to this. It'll be just two nights. And I'm really looking forward to having some time with my my husband. Just like uninterrupted. Y'all, we have not had much time together lately because he's in school full-time, working full-time. I'm working. It just feels like we were making intentional time to connect. Like we're having coffee together every morning. We find those pockets of time. We go on a date every week, but there's still just like some nothing. There's just nothing else like getting to just hang out with your partner indefinitely. And I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Now, before we jump into thoughts and feelings about the topic, let's define the terms that we're discussing and have a discussion around how they play together. So the first is law of attraction. Law of attraction is the belief that positive or negative thoughts produce positive or negative experiences in a person's life. Then manifestation is the kind of display of emotion or feeling or something theoretical made real. It's often used to describe like a desire coming to fruition through the power of thought or even something that you're not desiring coming to fruition because you're thinking about it. Then we have upper limits, which is the highest possible value. And in this conversation, it's the most that we think we're capable of achieving, earning, or becoming. 
Now, the term law of attraction was coined in 1906 by author and occultist William Walter Atkinson. He claimed that our thoughts carried vibrations that attracted their energetic equal to us. Thus, our reality was a manifestation of our thoughts. Now, this concept was brought to the masses by Jerry and Esther Hicks in 1986. Esther claims to be channeling the messages from a group of non-physical beings that were given the name Abraham. Through this, Esther took on the persona of Abraham and shared with people how to raise their energetic vibration and attract the life that they desire for themselves. So let's talk about kind of what this looks like in practicality. So it's essentially the belief that our thoughts create our reality, negative or positive, and that we have access to anything that we want to have, anything bad that comes into our life we've drawn to us, and anything good that we have in our life is drawn to us, and that we can create the good and have anything that we want of infinite possibility if we control our thoughts. Now let's get into my concerns <laughs> with this. First, you kind of have to believe in ghosts and spirits for the literal interpretation of this to work for you. Like you have to believe, like most of the people who have or created this framework have this kind of sense of like Abraham being an all-knowing being that is channeled through Esther. There's also, you know, like the originator of law of attraction was an, a an occultist and like these kind of things of this like level of literal spiritual ghostly kind of stuff I just don't believe in so I think there's some element of it feels a little made up but I will get into some of the science behind it, and then we, I personally am like, let's take the science and leave the pseudoscience. I am not here to like yuck anyone's yum. Like if you are like, yeah, I totally believe in like ghosts and spirits and like channeling and the dead talking to me, like, cool. That's your thing. I'm not judging you. I just like, don't believe it's real. I just, I can't make myself believe it's real and I'm okay with that. I just, you know, I'm not here to like judge you guys, but it's not for me. The second and the, the bigger concern that I have here is that it ignores privilege. Many of the law of attraction teachers out there are white people who grew up in middle-class homes, who parents helped them apply for college, who parents paid for their first house, you know, like things that they're pretending they manifested is actually just their privilege, things that they were given because of where they were placed in society. And claiming that our thoughts create a reality ignores systemic oppression in almost every possible way, right? You're saying, you know, if these bad things are happening to you, you created that with your mind and that's pretty messed up. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself here. So let's talk about privilege first. Privilege is simply the idea that some of us get a head start and we get a head start in a million ways, right? There, you get a head start when you were born white. You get a head start when you're born male. You get a head start when you're born into a loving, kind family. You get a head start when your family, when you're not a first generation college student and your parents know what it's like to apply for college and how to get scholarships. You definitely get a head start if your parents saved for your college tuition and you had someone to pay for your college. You get a head start if you had someone to help you with your homework. 
at the end of the day. And we all have different head starts. My husband is a white male born into a middle-class family who's, you know, received inheritance from family members who have passed away and had less love in his life than I received. I was born into, I've been homeless with my family. I've lived in trailer parks. I grew up with like verbally abusive parental figures, like step family figure, step parents. You know, we've, we've run the gamut of trauma over here. I'm not going to list all, all of it out for you. We've run the gamut of trauma and poverty. I was first gender. I was the first person in my family to go to a four-year college. I figured that all out on my own. I took out student loans for every single year of college. So that being said, my mother told me I was good, that I was okay, that I was safe, that I was loved. And in the midst of all of our chaos and all of this trauma, there's some element of, of privilege in my confidence, right? Because I was told I was good. And so I believed I was good. Whereas he was told he was bad. And so he's had to do a lot of work around that. Now, did I graduate college with like kind of a step behind a lot of people who had his childhood who went to college with me? Because I was I was in debt and he, they weren't. They had a savings account, you know, the guess. All of that to say, when we talk about privilege, what we're talking about is simply the advantages that you have that you didn't earn. That being said, law of attraction is basically saying your privilege, you earned your privilege through controlling your thoughts. And that's not true, right? Like, no, we didn't choose our families that we were born into. We haven't chosen the advantages that we are given. We didn't choose the bodies we were born into or even our level of attractiveness when we were born. You know, there's a privilege in just being like considered attractive or thin, naturally thin. Like these things aren't choices and we didn't get because we controlled our minds. They were just given to us. So it ignores privilege. Second, it's pretty victim blamey. Like you manifested your abuse. Like these bad things that happened to you happened to you because of your thoughts. And that's pretty messed up. The fourth is, I've, I kind of touched on this before, it ignores systemic issues, right? If I think, well, good things happen to those who are positive and who have a good outlook and think positively and believe, <laughs> then that allows me this sense of autonomy that ignores the suffering of those around me and assumes that that's their responsibility and not mine. And if I actually, if I look at that suffering, then I'm putting myself into a negative headspace and therefore I won't manifest the wealth that I deserve. I don't like that, right? Like who I am, who I want to be in the world, believes that everyone deserves love, everyone deserves safety, everyone deserves shelter and food. Like the basic human rights belong to all of us. And I'm aware enough to know that the way the system is built right now, that severely limits access to certain groups of people, to lots of different people, lots of different ways that we create structures and environments where it's impossible for other countries to even attempt self-sufficiency. I don't want to pretend like that's not happening or that it's their fault, right? I want to be able to look at that and do what I need to do appropriately to make sure that 
people aren't suffering around me while I just kind of like, do, 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 I manifested joy today. Like feels really messed up. The next reason kind of lightening it back up a little bit, but also kind of not is it is an anxious mind's nightmare. If you believe that your ability to control your thoughts impacts your ability to survive and thrive and make money and experience joy, for someone who is anxious, who is in a complicated relationship to their thoughts, this is a mind F-U-C-K. You know what I'm saying? It is like, this is a lot. It's a lot. And as someone who struggles with this, it's like you have the thought of like, you know how you have a negative thought and then you think, oh no, I'm going to make this thing happen in my life. And then you're like, oh no, I'm making this thing happen in my life. Now I'm obsessing over making this thing happen. And then that's going to make it happen. And it's like, it just feeds itself. And it's just a whirlwind of anxiety and a whirlwind of just not being in an even more complicated relationship to your mind and your thoughts and not trusting yourself and doubting and just kind of overthinking and over ruminating. And then like, if you're on the seven side of this, you know, and you feel like you have to be positive already, you feel like that's the only thing that you can do. It just, it breeds that toxic positivity that sevens can succumb to, which is like, don't bring any negativity into my headspace. And then when negativity comes in, like, how do I frantically make this go away? It can be a real Petri dish for, for toxic positivity and anxious thoughts. And finally, I kind of jumped ahead of myself again. The final point is it teaches you to suppress negative emotions, which can be harmful to not only our mental health, but also our physical health. Like suppressing negative emotions is not the game. Like science has proven that when we suppress negative emotions, like our body reacts, our body responds, our mental health goes down. Like every, every doctor, every therapist is going to be like, no, do not suppress your negative emotions. But law of attraction is like, stay positive, keep things light, look on the bright side, lift your vibration. Grief is not a high vibration mode, right? Sadness, it doesn't feel high vibe, but it's important that we honor it and that we feel it and we find ways to healthily express it because that's what being a healthy person is. And so I just want to be clear that ignoring or suppressing or eliminating our negative emotions is not the goal, right? The goal is to healthily move through our negative emotions so that it's more, more integrated, that we're allowed to be human and be fully complex. However, all of these concerns are very real. <laughs> well, what can we take away from the concepts of this, the concepts of law of attraction, the concepts of manifestation in turn and like hold on to the positive, right? Without kind of succumbing to all of the, all of the nonsense. So first is the idea of a growth mindset believing that you can become who you want to be if you keep trying. One, they did a study on like two groups of kids who, who, which of the kids continued to grow and to learn and get better and which of the kids stay, quit or gave up. And it really came down to the ones who kept going believed they could improve and the ones who gave up believed that they were as smart as they would ever be and that they were like capped out. And so kind of the, the difference in question being how, what do I need to learn to do the things that I want to do? Or am I good enough to do the things I want to do? So 
part of the positivity in law of attraction is simply the belief that you can be who you want to be and that you can get anywhere no matter where you start. And there's something really great about that, right? Like there are amazing stories of people born into poverty who get out of it, who work through their trauma, who make the most out of their life and become these like incredible activists, incredible CEOs. And, you know, they've get out of it and they make their own way. They kind of heal those family wounds and do their own thing. And that comes from a growth mindset, the belief that where you are isn't where you stop. And that's beautiful and incredible. And it's very, very hard, right? It's when you're, when everything in the world is telling you that you cannot to power up and say, yes, I can is incredible. And beautiful. And I want that for everybody, but it's very hard and it's not consistent. It takes practice and you get knocked down. It's not something to be shamed for if you can't do it. That's what I really want to iterate. It is not something you have not failed as a human being. If you do not rise out of poverty and become a million dollar CEO, you are just as worthy in the beginning, you know, as a child where you're born, you are just as worthy as you will be if you earn a million dollars or you stay and you end up doing exactly what your parents did. You are still worthy of love and good things and you are okay. I want everyone to have a growth mindset. I want everyone to be able to believe in the possibility of growth because in reality, everything is learnable. That's true. Like we can learn anything. If you were feeling like you're as smart as you will ever be, as talented as you will ever be, ever be, it's a lie. You absolutely can learn any skill you need to learn to be where you want to be. The options for your life are bigger than you realize, probably bigger than you were taught. And it's hard. Number two, the other good thing that we can take out of this is releasing the external and internal upper limits that we have hold, held on to. So most of us are born with limitations kind of already placed on us, either from society, our family, or even ourselves. It's this belief that we can manifest the sense of, I can have some good things, but like there's a limit to what that is for me. It's usually the limit around like what we've seen achieved in our in around us, you know? So we have this limit and the belief that we can manifest does open up the possibility that we are able to do more than we thought we could do, right? It kind of gives us this sense of belief, this idea that we can have more than the people that we've seen have, that just because my parents were limited at this income bracket doesn't mean that I have to be limited to that income bracket. And there's something really great about enlisting that belief, holding that belief, because without belief, we can't do, right? We have to kind of believe that it's possible on just a practical level, or we're not gonna ask for what we need. We're not gonna negotiate higher salaries. If everyone in your family has made $30,000 a year for, your whole life, when you get a job, $30,000 a year feels like what you are supposed to get paid. And maybe someone doing the same job as you, who's working next to you, is getting paid $50,000 a year just because they asked, because they said that's what they needed. And unless we believe that we deserve that money, we're not going to ask for it. Now, that being said, there's something else, there's something to be said about 
transparency and how much we get paid so that these inequalities don't exist. That's again, where we're looking at systemic versus personal. Law of attraction is so much about self-responsibility, which I'm a big fan of. However, we can't have self-responsibility that ignores systemic oppression. And when we look at these two things together, when we're talking about salary and internal upper limits, there's some element of, yes, there's an upper upper limit that I've placed on myself that I'm responsible for. But if I don't know what's happening around me, I also don't know what to ask for. So it goes together. So we need to work on our own internal upper limits, but also we need to work on transparency and how these businesses are operating and how much they're paying their employees. Next, when you know what you want, you can make a plan to get there and even subconsciously make the decisions you need to get where you want to go. So when we think about law of attraction, a lot of times people do, you know, you do visioning practices, which I do and I teach these visioning practices of like best case scenario. Like, where do I want to be in five years? What am I calling into my life? Being really specific, doing it in real time. And these are things I do and these are things I teach. And the reason that I do them and teach them is not because I believe my ghost guides are bringing these things into my life because I'm keeping my vibration high. I am doing these things because if we know where we want to go, we're more inclined to take the steps to get there. Even unconsciously, if we have claimed it for ourselves, we store that away in some part of our minds. And then when decisions come to us, we make the decisions we make that get us to where we intend to go. It's just more likely that we will do the things that we want to do because we've said we intend to do them. It's, I think, a little bit more practical than woo, in my opinion. Then the final piece here is that Positive thinking is proven to work, right? There are studies that show that positive thinking can boost your immune system, relieve chronic stress. It can reduce anxiety. Visualizations, positive self-talk do reduce negative thinking and intrusive thoughts. There's also evidence that positive people are happier and less likely to engage in unhealthy behaviors. Happiness promotes success in health, work, and relationships. Like those are all proven scientifically. And my only problem with positive thinking and like worshiping at the altar of positive thinking, which we we know I've done. My only concern here is that we're doing that at the expense of our own reality, ignoring our own pain, escaping our pain in unhealthy, unhelpful ways, ignoring the pain and suffering of others and believing that we don't all belong to each other. So that being said, positive thinking is a beautiful skill that is perfectly in relationship to honoring and naming our emotions, the truth of how we're feeling, the truth of our limitations, the truth of the limitations of other people, honoring and respecting that while believing in the good of the world, believing in the good of humanity and the possibilities available to us. And I have a fifth point here the kind of actual, the actual last point of things that we can take away from this is I do think there's something really beautiful about believing that you aren't in this alone, that there is something really supportive about giving up control to the universe or to God or to vibration, whatever that is to you, whatever form of like higher power you're thinking of. I think there is something really beautiful about that of just saying like, there is some benevolent being looking out for me and that things are going to work together for my good and 
that makes it a heck of a lot easier to feel positive, to feel supported, to have hope. And I think that makes sense. I think that's legitimate and significant amount of, you know, if you go, ever go to AA or any kind of support group like that, know that they ask you to have a higher power. You get to define what that higher, higher power means, but you ultimately, the whole point being is like, I can't control this. I have to release control here. And I think that there's something really beautiful about that. So Sarah Jane, why are we even talking about this? If you're like not the biggest fan, <laughs> um, which I, you know, like I said, I have complicated relationship pros and cons here, but why are we talking about this? First, I just want to discuss the downfalls of this theory that is widely accepted and ignores the privilege that many people have who are teaching this. And I know that a lot of us are online and are investing in online programs and coaches of like people who were born rich and white, who are teaching you how to make money through the law of attraction, which is just like, I believe it, but really like their parents are paying their mortgage. Like, I just want to be really honest with you, um, that, that that's what, sometimes what's going on. So be careful, but also own your own privilege, right? Own, if we're going to do these law of attraction things, own where you started because like, let's not pretend like your safe childhood was manifested. You didn't choose that. That was given to you. Second, to explore how we can use this tool well to benefit our lives instead of disqualifying the spirits of others. So I think this is an amazing tool. I think believing in manifestation, exploring your upper limits and kind of pushing through those upper limits is incredibly important, especially for marginalized groups because you are given a lot of upper limits. And unfortunately, until society changes, your work will be in pushing through your upper limits. Like, and I'm sorry, that freaking sucks. And if I can support you in feeling confident in pushing through those upper limits, asking for more, believing you're worthy of more, I would love to do that. So how do we do this well? First, we're, let's, we need to know where we're going, have a vision for where we wanna be going, allow yourself to feel your feelings, but also allow yourself access to belief. Dream up your best case scenario, but I really recommend planning only for the next six months. Don't make your three-month vision your goals. Make your goals for the next six months. How can I get 10% closer to that three-year vision? How can I actually take action on the things that I think I'd like instead of waiting for them to come to me? Four, own your privilege, period. Just like own where you come from and then fight for other people and their rights. Fight for transparency and salary negotiations, fight for the lack of systemic oppression in our society, just like advocate for people who maybe were given more limitations than you were given at birth and don't stop fighting for them. Also, finally, I want to do this to encourage us to believe that we are more than we thought we could be, right? That we do have access to more than we think we do, which is gonna take us into tomorrow's discussion where we're gonna discuss how we limit ourselves based on Enneagram type. So come hang out with me tomorrow as we continue this conversation and get Enneagram-y about it. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you and I will see ya tomorrow for the next episode. Sí. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.